0: Well, here we are on a Monday morning, sitting down to record our episode of VETCAST. Before we launch into today's set of stories, there is good reason we'll now be taking a celebratory cheers of tequila. Good morning.
1: Welcome to VETCAST, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks. The podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University focused on the impacts of climate change on animal
2: health.
0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode. My name is Zach.
2: My name
1: is Maria. And my name is Leah.
0: And today we will be sharing a few stories about an incredible group of mammals Let's see if a few fun facts will help you guess this week's topic. These mammals are estimated to save North American agricultural systems a minimum of 3.7 billion USD a year.
2: They are responsible for the survival of hundreds of plant species through pollination and seed dispersal. So far, at least 80 kinds of medicine have come from plants that rely on these mammals for survival. They often consume their body weight and insects
1: per night. Some can even eat up to 1200 mosquitoes in an hour.
0: They are the primary pollinators of agave, so they're busy working to ensure I can enjoy tequila on my next frozen mango margarita.
2: The smallest one of these mammals maxes out at a length of 1.3 inches, while the largest one can grow to 5.5 feet long. Wow. Don't these animals sound like the coolest creatures ever?
0: Would you believe that this group of mammals are bats? <laughs> if you aren't convinced that bats are the coolest creatures yet... Do yourself a favor and google bat covered in pollen and you will most definitely be won over yeah. as cool as bats are though all is not well in their world bats have minimal natural predators with owls hawks and snakes being some of the only animals to include them in their diets you would think this would mean that their population numbers should be flourishing but bats are at a much greater risk from environmental and disease threats in north america At least 6.5 million bats have died from the fungal disease white-nose syndrome alone. Other threats are further exacerbated by misinformation on their role in transmitting disease and the negative public perception of this valuable and precious species. It is our job as stewards of our planet to help save these incredible creatures and spread the right information. Today, we will take turns sharing stories about different human-driven threats that bats face on a regular basis. But fear not, we have collected advice from wildlife organizations and other specialists to help inform you the listener, on how we can do our best to help protect bats.
1: All right, let's chat about a term that most people have heard by now, especially in today's news, and that is a spillover event. A spillover event is when a disease moves from one species to another. And in today's conversation, the spillover event will, of course, consist of some winding road of disease spread from bats to humans. Hearing this word, I think of a time where I may accidentally turn on a faucet to fill a glass of water. I get sidetracked or I leave the room. Either way, I stop paying attention to the glass. There will come a point when I have now accidentally overfilled the glass and it is pouring into the sink. Whoops. That is exactly the story I'm going to tell you today about a spillover event from bats to humans that was in generous part due to the activity of humans. Let's travel not so far back in time for an example of this occurrence to years 1997 and 1998 in Malaysia. During this time, four main ingredients set the stage for a spillover disaster. Pigs, mango trees, bats, and of course, people. Around this time, massive deforestation events were occurring through Southeast Asia due to fires and making the way for more agriculture. To give you some context of the scale of this clearing of land preceding the story to now, This region of Southeast Asia has suffered the greatest rate of deforestation with a loss of 30% of forest surface over the last 30 years. What? Now, for our first ingredient, it becomes a hot commodity to grow mango trees and supply the delicious fruit to the area. Now let's add in bats. By this point, some populations of bats are being driven out of their original forest habitat. And our friend, the fruit bat, also known as the flying fox, must relocate perhaps to an area now plentiful with a supply of fresh mangoes let's circle back to our metaphor and turn on the faucet to start filling our water glass next as agriculture intensifies the swine operations and similarly high demand are situated against the mixture of forest and mango orchards the bat neighbors now take a bite of mango some fruit becomes discarded on the ground and is later picked up and consumed by our piggy friends as daily life carries on the glass continues to fill unwatched suddenly A sickness begins to spread with signs of respiratory distress and, in severe cases, encephalitis, or inflammation, of the brain. People began ramping up on vaccination and containment protocol for a different mosquito-borne disease thought to be infecting that area. However, the root cause was discovered to be Nipah virus, a bat-borne pathogen that spilled over into nearby swine populations. Nipah infected swine further spilled over to swine producers. Swine producers transmitted the virus to other humans. Then, infected swine from this region were imported to Singapore, infecting 11 workers. After 265 cases and 105 deaths, fruit bats became the infamous new public enemy for hosting the virus. Now let's zoom out a bit. Bats make good disease vectors for a variety of reasons, many debated, and the process is still not fully understood. What we know for a fact is that impacts stemming from humans, including poor livestock management practices, anthropogenic change on the environment, deforestation leading to merging of habitats, and acceleration of climate change began the process of filling the glass in the first place and never turned the faucet off.
2: Speaking of climate change, let's take a moment to talk about this important issue. We will now travel back to January, 2002. Imagine looking out your window and seeing bats literally falling out of the sky. This is exactly what happened in New South Wales, Australia. Breaking news. Temperatures rising above 107 degrees Fahrenheit have just killed 3,500 bats from mixed species colonies. Unfortunately, this event will not be the last of its kind. With continuously rising average global temperatures and 19 more recorded heat stress-related mortality events, the number of climate-related casualties continue to climb. Nobody was prepared for November of 2019. Headlines read...
0: Boiled bats fall from the sky.
2: Australian families living nightmare. As once again, temperatures climbed above 107, but this time, 23,000 spectacled flying foxes dropped from trees. In just a single month, one third of the population was wiped out in the largest bat mass mortality event in Australia to date. Bat. shit. Crazy. Heat stress is not the only climate related feature affecting bats. We all know that bats are master communicators through their powers of echolocation. Well, climate change is trying to take down these powers in more ways than one. You know how when it gets really hot and humid outside and the air suddenly feels heavier? Well, this also affects bats echolocation abilities. How are they supposed to catch their next tasty meal? Well, they must change their call frequency and signals to adapt to the changing density of air. Our encroachment onto bat habitats has further interfered with this mode of communication through noise and light pollution. This in of itself brings a whole new jumble of issues to the table. Noise pollution has further decreased foraging efficiency, creating the need for an even greater call adaptation And our nocturnal front circadian rhythms are being negatively affected by the constantly radiating artificial light of our cities. I don't know about you, but I'm much less efficient when I didn't have a good day's sleep. Climate change is a very potent force accelerated by anthropogenic changes, and these negative impacts are having increasing ramifications on our beloved bat populations. Some bats have simply had it with our human bull guano and are moving out of their previously inhabited spaces. Now, bats are having new interspecies interactions in response to larger rages and habitat overlap. Talk about that networking, except that it's the awkward office holiday party kind that you're trying to avoid. Even though these effects have already begun, worry not, as we still have time to make positive impacts and mitigate the negative effects of climate change.
0: And now we will travel to Uganda to share a story of hardship that bats have faced after their habitat overlapped too much with humans. We have already shared some stories with you all about population overlap and the risk of disease spillover events. The situation is only worsening as the anthropogenic and environmental issues is causing bat and human populations to overlap. As a result, many groups of people around the world have taken it into their own hands, and can you blame them? If my livelihood depended on interacting with bats, I would also be fearful of contracting a disease that would result in my family having no security net. These groups have chosen to utilize depopulation methods as a tool for avoiding disease spread. These actions are in stark contrast from advice given by disease specialists and wildlife researchers. There is a mounting pool of evidence that depopulating bat colonies results in immunologically naive populations taking the place of the exterminated colonies. Does that sound like a good situation for these humans? Well, it's the worst-case scenario. It results in colonies with much higher disease infection rates, only increasing the chance of a spillover event occurring. This is best explained using a case study of two Marburg hemorrhagic virus outbreaks in Uganda during 2007 and 2012. The initial outbreak included four miners from the Kitaka mine, as well as two tourists that visited the nearby Python Cave. Each location contained approximately 40 to 100,000 bats. In response to that outbreak, the Kitaka mine workers engaged in an aggressive depopulation campaign, contrary to advice given by the CDC and local epidemiology experts. The campaign included mass trapping and extermination, as well as closing off all routes of entry to the mine. When the mine reopened, there was no observed evidence of bad activity. Five years later, in 2012, another outbreak of Marburg hemorrhagic fever occurred in Ibanda, a town about 20 kilometers from Kitaka Mine. The outbreak involved 15 laboratory-confirmed cases and was the largest in Uganda's history. Researchers found that the largest local population was a new colony inhabiting the reopened mine. They analyzed tissue samples from these bats for viruses responsible for causing Marburg hemorrhagic fever and found infection rates to be at least two times higher in this new population. They found greater diversity of viruses in this new colony and found the same strain of virus in both bats from Kataka mine and the laboratory confirmed humans suffering from Marburg hemorrhagic fever. The researchers of this study hypothesized that after the mine was depopulated and reopened, an immunologically naive population moved into the mine and was subject to multiple viral infections and had no pre-existing immunity to combat this. This resulted in higher infection levels in the bats, allowing for a greater chance of virus spillover from bat to human populations. This phenomenon isn't exclusive to Marburg hemorrhagic fever and has been documented in several depopulation attempts in response to viral outbreaks. Currently, scientists worry that independent groups will respond to COVID-19 in a similar manner after rumors of an individual consuming bat soup in Wuhan, China was thought to cause the pandemic. Even though these original claims have been debased, the damage has been done. This is not the solution to the issues human and bat populations are being faced with. These depopulation efforts will not drive bats to extinction, nor should that be our goal. As this will only result in an increase in spillover of diseases from bat populations to human populations.
2: Now before we make you too sad,
1: there's still no hope for our bat friends. Here's the million dollar question, what can we do about it?
0: Well, studies have already shown that increasing urban tree cover shields our friends from light scatter. We can also make sure that we keep loud operations away from established bat populations. Everyone can do their part in decreasing greenhouse gas emissions, the biggest source of rising global temperatures. And finally, leave the disease claims and handling of bats to the experts.
2: A One Health framework addressing the human-animal environment interface may be our best tool. By acknowledging this connection, we can strengthen communication between global health organizations and other agencies. These goals are to increase surveillance efforts by adequately detecting, assessing, and responding to infectious diseases by increasing agriculture and food safety, and by eliminating the spread of public misinformation. By taking one small step at a time, we can help our adorable pollinator friends from ever having to suffer another mass casualty event again. The first step to change is education.
1: You've already started the education process by making it this far into our podcast. Okay. Hey. You too bad. bad. So the easiest thing you can do is pass this on to another listener. Our flying friends have had many new challenges arise, but with knowledge, we have the power to help them
0: out. In order to learn more about how we can educate the public on the necessity bats serve, we sat down with Dr. Kevin Castle, a wildlife veterinarian who has conducted field research and medicine of many species, and currently has a project suturing miniature transmitters on bats for data collection. Cute! So, what is the best way to communicate with the public about bats? When people have been molded into thinking that bats are tiny, flying vampires who may also carry disease, how do we quickly change that mindset so that people think of Batman, the hero of the night? The answer, start them young. Listen
2: up. That fact, bats are
0: probably about the coolest animals on the planet, honestly. <laughs> Dr. Castle shared with us how the National Park Service starts with the grassroots educational approach by entering classrooms and teaching children directly. The goal is to have these kids go home and explain how freaking cool bats are to their parents, starting a chain reaction of positivity.
2: So what do we communicate? Start by explaining the necessity of protecting public land and the fact that the world is not solely inhabited by humans. Educate them on the driving forces accelerating climate change and how we can restructure our daily activities to be more environmentally sustainable.
1: When you're sitting out on the patio at night, look up to your flying bat friends and tell them, hey, thank you. Thanks, queen. For preventing yet another itchy mosquito bite. If you would rather not invite a family of bats into your home as your next house guests, consider installing a bat-friendly shelter high in a tree as their new private vacation oasis. All in all, our goal is for you to leave this episode with the knowledge that bats are misunderstood creatures that have incredibly positive impacts on our environment.
0: Thank you for listening. If you're interested about finding some more information about our podcast, please visit our website. In the meantime, go put on your Batman suit, grab some tequila or agave juice if you're below 21, and go spread some love about bats.
1: Thanks for joining us on Vetcast, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks, the podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University. To find more resources about this topic and details about each episode, check out the show notes. Thanks and see you next time on VetCast.
0: Please drink responsibly.